98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm out as well. The headlines. Business travellers will soon be able to cross the border without being subject to mandatory quarantine. Teachers will be required to attend courses about their role, values and conduct. And a pro-establishment group is calling on people to spend the $10,000 government cash handout to help struggling local businesses. Sources say the government will soon announce a health code system with Guangdong and Macau to allow for quarantine-free travel within these areas for business people. It's understood applicants must take a COVID-19 test at one of around 10 certified laboratories or private hospitals in Hong Kong, and the results will be uploaded to a digital platform accessible by the relevant authorities. But a medical expert warns such a system can't prevent people with coronavirus from getting through. Lan Chichu chairs the Medical Association's Advisory Committee on Communicable Diseases. The lawful coronavirus has a very long incubation period, and also the infectious is especially high in the first seven days. The screening now using nucleic acid may not be able to pick up the infection, and it cannot exclude infectious transmission risk arising after the test. And it can only be used for allowing quarantine-free travel between low-risk areas, but not from epidemic zones. Civic Party lawmaker and Dr. Kokaki questions the accuracy of COVID-19 tests across the border. Over the period of the COVID-19, a lot of other countries has returned the testing kit from China with the fact that this kit is not up to standard. So in China, there are so many different hospitals and health institutions were able to offer this test or the certification. Until we are able to test and to verify the standard of the test, we cannot trust this test. Even the China itself will be unable to verify the standard of the test. One of the organisers of a poll on Sunday to decide whether to stage a general strike or class boycott against the national security law says is a crucial time for people to speak out before such discussion is banned. The Secretary for Education Kevin Young says the national security law can be discussed on campuses, but with a general viewpoint being that students should protect national security. He opposed this Sunday's poll organised by students, saying schools may need to discipline students who boycott classes. Isaac Chang is one of the organisers behind the poll. When the government condemning us, it means that actually it shows after when the national security law have published or have, have executed any kind of peaceful expressions of opinions will be banned. Even for referendum, even for signatures online, etc. So this is a crucial move, moment and crucial time for us to speak for ourselves. The Education Bureau says from September, new teachers will have to receive official training within the first three years of working. They will have to take part in at least 90 hours of courses covering teachers' role, values and conduct, as well as national and international education development. In a circular sent to schools, officials say current teachers have to study similar courses for a minimum of 30 hours every three years. Those who want promotion also need training. The pro-establishment Hong Kong coalition is calling on people to spend the $10,000 cash handout that they will soon receive from the government on local businesses to help support the struggling economy. A deputy secretary of the coalition, Kennedy Wong, brushed aside concerns about whether the campaign was meant to back pro-establishment businesses only. 
This is an open platform. You know, I don't think uh, we should take uh, any narrow view as to uh, who you know uh, can upload or not. So basically, this platform has been created to enable the retailers and the restaurants, hotels, shopping malls to send us through the hyperlinks or upload the information. So basically, as Hong Kong, we are all using mobile phones. We are all on the internet、uh, a lot of the time. So this platform hopefully will grow bigger and bigger, and then consumers will use these information wisely. RTHK's acting deputy director of broadcasting, Karine Dechan, has resigned. Her resignation comes as the public broadcaster is embroiled in a series of controversies regarding the impartiality of his programs. RTHK said Miss Chan submitted her resignation early this month, and it will take effect in September. A spokesperson said Miss Chan resigned for health reasons. The station thanked her for her more than 30 years of contribution, adding that work is underway to find a suitable person to replace her. The Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison has joined a growing row involving China, saying he'll never trade national values in response to coercion from any source. China has imposed a ban on Australian beef and barley and has urged Chinese students to review whether to study in Australia. Canberra has angered Beijing by calling for an inquiry into the origins of the coronavirus pandemic, leading Beijing to allege that Chinese tourists have faced virus-related racial attacks in Australia. Mr. Morrison called the assertion rubbish. President Trump is resisting increasing calls to remove pro-slavery Confederate names and symbols in response to the anti-racism movement triggered by the police killing of George Floyd. He said ten army bases named after officers who fought for the Confederacy during the Civil War would keep their des- destination because they were part of America's heritage. The White House press secretary Kayleigh McGinley read out a statement from Mr. Trump. These monumental and very powerful bases have become part of a great American heritage and a history of winning, victory, and freedom. The United States of America trained and deployed our heroes here and won two world wars. Our history as the greatest nation in the world will not be tampered with. President Trump has announced he will hold his first re-election campaign rally for several months in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on the 19th of June. The date, known as Juneteenth, is an annual commemoration of the end of slavery celebrated by African Americans. In 1921, Tulsa was the site of one of the worst massacres of black people in U.S. history. Mr. Trump made the announcement at the White House. We're going to be starting our rallies. The first one we believe will be probably we're just starting to call up.、Uh, will be in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. A beautiful new venue, brand new, and they're looking forward to it. They've done a great job with COVID, as you know, in the state of Oklahoma.、Uh, we're going to be coming into Florida, do a big one in Florida, a big one in Texas.、Uh, they're all going to be big. We're going to Arizona. George Floyd has sparked global protests that surged the U.S. Congress to stem police brutality against ethnic minority. George Floyd was killed by a white police officer who kneeled on his neck for almost nine minutes after he was suspected of trying to use a forged twenty-dollar note. The chief of police in Minneapolis, where George Floyd was killed, Madara Arradondo, said the issue of race had to be tackled. Race is inextricably a part of the American policing system. We will never evolve in this profession if we do not address it head-on. Communities of color have paid the heaviest of costs, and that is with their lives. And our children must be safeguarded from ever having to contribute to the horrific and shameful chapter of this country's history. 
The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has pledged an investigation into the alleged abuse of foreign journalists by the U.S. authorities while they covered the nationwide protests ignited by the death of George Floyd. Australia, Britain and Germany have voiced concerns over scenes of journalists coming under direct attack by, from, from the police. Last week, the U.N. Human Rights Chief Michel Bachelet has said there had been unprecedented aggression against reporters. Mr. Pompeo made his pledge at a State Department briefing. I know there have been concerns from some countries of their reporters having been treated inappropriately here. We've seen some of those allegations come into the State Department. You should know and those countries should know we will handle them in a completely appropriate way. We will do our best to investigate them to the extent the State Department is capable of doing that. The number of confirmed coronavirus cases in the United States has passed the 2 million mark, according to Johns Hopkins University. Infections are still rising in 21 U.S. states, even as restrictions continue to be relaxed. The U.S. has the most recorded case in the world, followed by Brazil and Russia. One of Britain's leading epidemiologists says he believes if the country had entered lockdown a week earlier than it did, it would have reduced the number of coronavirus-related deaths by at least half. Neil Ferguson, who was a member of Britain's scientific advisory group until May, made the remarks to a parliamentary committee. More than 41,000 people confirmed to have had coronavirus have died in Britain. The Prime Minister Boris Johnson rejected Professor Ferguson's assertion. We made the decisions at the time on the guidance of SAGE, including uh, Professor Ferguson, that we thought were right for this, uh, for this country. And I think that the, um, you know, the questions uh, that are posed are still unanswered. And there's a lot of data that we still, uh, frankly, do not have. Business and financial news, mainland e-commerce retailer JD.com has reportedly priced its shares at $226 each and raised about $3.8 billion US dollars in its Hong Kong secondary listing, the biggest in the city this year. The pricing comes as shares in mainland online gaming firm NetEase began trading here this morning after raising $2.7 billion US dollars in its secondary listing. NetEase shares opened nearly 10% higher when compared to its offer price. Shares of JD.com will begin trading next Thursday. The head of America's central bank, the Federal Reserve, says the economy faces a long road to recovery from the coronavirus. Jerome Powell said the Fed would continue with measures such as holding down interest rates and quantitative easing or buying assets to increase cash flow in the economy. What we're thinking about is providing support for this economy. We do think this is going to take some time. I think most forecasters believe that. It would be great if we got a whole bunch more months of job creation like that. Notwithstanding that, there are just a lot of people that are unemployed, and it seems quite likely that there'll be a significant group, even after a lot of strong job growth, that'll still be struggling to find jobs and will still be providing strong accommodation for that. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 24,771. That's 277 points down on the previous close. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 106.94 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 13 cents. And the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 82 cents. Now to sports, here's Atom Chung. We start with boxing. An all-British world heavyweight showdown could become a reality. Let's hear first from Tyson Fury. Hello there. I'm just after getting off the phone with Daniel Kinahan. Uh, he's just informed me that the biggest fight in British boxing history has just been agreed. Give them my boy! That's Tyson Fury on Instagram announcing his Cam Agreed a Fight deal with Anthony Joshua. The BBC's Betty Glover reports. 
that bout we've all been waiting for between the world heavyweight boxing champions Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury has moved a step closer. Eddie Hearn, who promotes Joshua, says both parties have agreed financial terms for a two-fight deal. Before that can happen, though, they will have to fulfil their mandatory obligations. Fury, who holds the WBC belt, is contracted to have a third fight against Deontay Wilder, whilst Joshua is due to defend his titles against Kubrat Pulev. To football now, Bayern Munich are through to the German Cup final after victory over Eintracht Frankfurt. Robert Lewandowski's second-half goal, his 45th of the season, put Bayern ahead and they held on for a 2-1 win. Victory for Bayern means they remain on track for a domestic league and cup double, which would be their fifth in eight years. They'll play Bayer Leverkusen in the cup final in Berlin on July 4th. Spain's La Liga resumes tonight with Sevilla playing Real Betis behind closed doors. It will be the first top-flight match in the country since the 10th of March after football was suspended due to the pandemic. The BBC's John Bennett looks ahead. This is normally one of the most passionate derbies in La Liga. Sevilla are having a good season. They're in third place, on course for a place in the Champions League. Before football was suspended, they were on a run of four La Liga matches unbeaten. Real Betis are firmly in mid-table. They're eight points above the relegation spots, 12 points below a place in the Europa League. We're in for a very busy time in Spanish football over the next five weeks. A game almost every day up until July. July the 19th. The title race should be thrilling as well with Barcelona two points above Real Madrid. But it's worth pointing out that Real Madrid won't be playing their home matches at the Bonabeu for the rest of the season. That's under reconstruction. Everton will be allowed to host city rivals Liverpool at Goodison Park instead of playing at a neutral venue when they meet on the 21st of this month. Liverpool could clinch the English Premier League title with a win that day if Manchester City lose to Arsenal earlier. Police had initially believed the Merseyside derby could not be stationed in Liverpool because of fears that fans would congregate. The Premier League is set to resume next Wednesday behind closed doors. And that's your look at sports. And that's Adam Chung with the sports. To end the news, the top stories once again. Business travellers will soon be able to cross the border without being subject to mandatory quarantine. Teachers will be required to attend courses about their role, values and conduct. And a pro-establishment group is calling on people to spend the $10,000 government cash handout to help struggling local businesses. And that's the news from RTHK. Let's go.
a couple youths Forever on the silent cruise Tell me baby how can we lose She love the yucky and the starfish Yam from the market Sweet cocoa tea or some real hot chocolate But when she tastes my sugar cane Then she hasn't been the same She says Welcome to the 123 Show. This is Sadia Usmani sitting in for Noreen Mir today and tomorrow. Thanks to Phil for the morning brew. And, you know, it's been a while since I've been on the hot seat. And I'm usually here on a Thursday for chinwag. But, hey, you know, today we have an extended chinwag right through till 3 p.m. Now, that's thrilling, isn't it? Mm. No, don't answer that one. So, what's on the show, I hear you ask? Well, today, 11th of June, marks the 32nd anniversary of the first Nelson Mandela concert that took place in 1988 in London. There was a whole host of artists who took part, and between 1.30 and 2.30 today, I'm going to be featuring their music and looking back at some other key events on this very special day. Plus, at 2.30, we have our regular feature with Mental Ideas, and this week, Sadie Kay talks to, talks wellness entrepreneur Ifford Hines. And Matt Ricardo talks about the importance of acceptance. Hmm. Tune in to find out more. Prices that I make, no, they can't fix this type of size. That this is, but I can't take another life. This empty kiss, still I keep pushing back the tide. 